Today's episode of the Human Derek podcast is brought to you by Boulevard Fitness in San Diego, California. It's on El Cajon Boulevard. I think it's in the North Park University Heights area. I think that's really what you would call it, but it's in San Diego. It is an amazing gym. It's got this uh, two floors to it, really technically like three if you think about the entrance when you come in. It's one of those beautiful open floor plans. And since it's in San Diego, where the weather is beautiful all year around, you just love it. Uh, it's just fresh air, good feeling, has that classic weightlifters feel to it in terms of machines that are just functional, um, free weights. The vibe in there is good. It's just a really great place. So check out Boulevard Fitness when you're in San Diego. If you live in San Diego, uh, stop by their workout. Word on the street is there's some really incredible uh, high-level people there. I've seen some great people when I've been in there. Check it out. Boulevard Fitness, San Diego, off El Cajon Boulevard. Our next sponsor is Next Coffee. Next, N-X-X-T, taking you to the next level with your coffee and your life. Now, hey, people, I know K-Cups are popular, and there's this whole idea of convenience and doing things swiftly and, and effectively, but if you're not taking some time to make great coffee in the morning, why are you even drinking it? Are you just an addict? Are you just trying to get a quick fix like a junkie for coffee? Why not slow down, get something quality, grind the beans. You don't have to grind the beans. They'll grind them for you. They roast them fresh. They'll send them straight to your door, freshly ground. But there's a difference when you make good quality coffee versus when you just sprint and shoot some hot water through some beans and get some bean juice and cover it up with a bunch of sugar. No, this stuff is great. If Even if you're not a black coffee drinker, you could drink this stuff black and you would go, whoa. Why is it so rich and creamy? They've got all kinds of different coffees too. They've got a signature Ethiopian called Shady Lion. The bag is incredible. Even the bag is incredible with this company. They've got a Kona blend for those of you who are a little more fancy with your coffee. It's called La Jolla Vibes. Super beautiful um, design, packaging, and taste. The taste. I can't get over the taste of this coffee. Um, They've got coconut flavors. Uh, Some of you folks like to do that mixing thing where you mix decaf beans with regular beans. Well, they have a Swiss water decaf so that you're not getting any of those chemicals from when most people or how most people, most companies do their decaf coffee. Check out Next Coffee. You can go on their Instagram. It's NXXT Coffee at NXXT Coffee. Or you can go shopnext.com, which is S-H-O-P-N-X-X-T dot com shopnext.com by the way i've got a box of their shirts over here too pretty cool stuff they've got some really sweet colors just check them out great company great quality stuff i'm a huge fan Uh, our next sponsor is staten design speaking of really cool design and packaging this guy does it all i know he did uh one of the main bags most of really the design for the next coffee company Uh, i've actually known this guy for a long long time he does killer design work. He's based out of Southern California. So everything has that super cool SoCal feel to it. Um, check him out at Staten Design. Uh, what is, oh, I don't have his plug. Uh, we'll get to that for you. I'll plug it in. Check check the, the details uh, on the podcast episode. I'll throw it 
in the description. I'll put his website there so you can check him out, whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. We'll make sure he gets a good plug on the actual details of his website and Instagram. I think he's got a couple of desserts in there. But uh, you can, uh, his last name is spelled S-T-A-T-O-N Design. So Staten Design, super cool stuff. And then our last, our final sponsor for today's episode is Hydro Reach. The Hydro Reach Project, uh, it's a project that was put together by the HydroCore inventor, Mr. Mauricio Tangari, this really cool dude, also in SoCal, but he's partnered up. Onnit does a lot of his distribution for the other products. Um, he travels around the world and hosts these really incredible events. I know he has many people that are excited for his uh, event next year in Italy called Human Fit. He did his first one this year there. Uh, one of the original founders of Maui Fit. So the list goes on and on. I mean, this guy's just been in the fitness and health world for a long time. Anybody that knows him said he's a he's a great guy or knows him says he's a great guy. And he is the the uh, really the the founder and the lead on the Hydro Reach project. So what is the Hydro Reach project? It's a project that's um, really created something special to help those in areas of the world get better, quicker, swifter access to water. We know water is important. We need it for life. Um, that's what they do. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's basically some places they have to carry water long, you know, long haul, kilometers, miles, just long distance. And he's, he's created this device uh, that the organization uses where they can sling it over their shoulders, takes all of the pressure off at the neck and spine, um, and allows for just better drinking water quality too, because these devices he's made have a filter in them. Uh, so check that out. It's the Hydro Reach Project. Uh, you can find their website through hydrocore.world. So hydrocore.world, that's H-Y-D-R-O-C-O-R-E dot world. And look for the Hydro Reach Project. They're also on all the social media channels. Um, that's Hydro Reach Project, helping people in all parts of the world get better, cleaner access to water. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. <laughs> it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Dedic Podcast. There we go. Here. Excellent. Yes. First time. All right. We got it. Ooh. Loud. Dun, da, da, da. I hear you. Well. Good. I like it. All right. We are. We're live. The whole world can hear it. No, we're not. We're <laughs> recording, so we can edit it later. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I. I'm tolerating hearing myself in these not pink microphones that I requested. Well, the request was uh, was missed until almost like right up when we started. So you know, there was that. Yeah, we'll work on it. Look, there's a pink Sorite. You know what a Sorite is? Oh, no. Sorite. So this is a, a, a super tiny one where you could like use it on your arm or something. They're not really made to be that small. Wait, like what, what's what's the function of this? So that's mostly for looks in a keychain, but you could technically like use it on a tight knot or something. Really? Have, um, do you know what your psoas muscle is? No. Okay, so your psoas muscle, and I am Oh, not, it's like the lower... Yeah, so Got I'm, it. I'm not an expert, so I'll just give you kind of like, I'm going to mess this up. I mean, but by looking at your physique, it, I think you are. 
Oh, well, very kind of you. I picked up a couple of things along the way. But I saw the weights in the living room. <laughs> the gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, the coolest weights. So tell me mm-hmm. about this thing. Uh, so keychain. So there's a larger version of that that I have somewhere around here where you really lay on it and it loosens up your psoas muscles, which are, I'd call them like core muscles, right? But they tie into your minor sayings like your hips yeah. and your... Just all that stuff in the middle that from us sitting like this as humans too much, um, get tight. And really, I think he calls it a, a massage tool now because it's become so much more than that where people, there's other versions of it. There's a spine version. In fact, no, it's in the closet. Um, so yeah, so you can, and the, I mean, this guy's story is real cool. He was living in his car like training and then like renting out his car. And he was actually on the podcast. So we shared all of this, which was really mm. cool. And, uh, and that thing has just taken off in the industry. So this is like a portable. Um, yeah. You know, that one just kind of stays here as that memory from the podcast for me, but I could throw it on a keychain and probably, I mean the, the life, like the actual one you would use on different parts of your body is more like this big. So, yeah, know, but this is so cool. I think I need this because yeah. I am, Constantly looking for a corner or anywhere to just stretch mm. out wherever I am, any given situation. I'm pretty tense. All the tension? Is that a, a lot? I think it definitely stores in my neck hmm. area is, for sure. How about you? Is that from the, from, the, from the job, from the work, or just life? Or um, Yeah. I think so. I think it's uh, a combination. Everybody probably has their own way of sh- manifesting their stress. And I would say mine like gets in my body hmm. more than in my mind. Hmm. So Does that make sense? Your mind is bulletproof. That's what I'm hearing. I like it. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> dope. <laughs> it's mean to me sometimes. I try Aww. to keep it a clean space, but it's, uh, yeah. I try to keep, yeah, like I said, keep it a safe, clean space so my body ends up taking the hit. I'm sure you might have experiences with how you deal with stress. How is that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I like to say clean space, too. I mean, my stress tools, in fact, have it floating around here somewhere. It's like a prototype for that journal I've been talking about. So, um, but I think there's two types of stress. There's distress which is stress of worry and not being, you know, on top of things and letting things build up. Mm-hmm. But then there's you stress, which is actually really, really healthy for you and helps you grow. So I purposely, when you hear people say like, do hard things, that's building you stress. So you're actually just getting stronger, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically. So that's, uh, I try to put myself in that position on a regular, really daily basis for the most part. And I find that it really helps. Yeah. It's like, I think you're referring to the healthy anxiety we have every Mm. day that drives us to do the things we want to do or. Yeah. I've gotten weird about certain words too, like anxiety. Like I personally will, I refuse to tell myself I have any sort of anxiety. I either have energy or I don't. And it's Mm, what you, yeah, it's what you channel the energy into, right? Like even before, let's say I'm talking to a big group of people or some kind of, you know, whatever the, the, what could be perceived as anxiety is, Mm 
feel like once I label it anxiousness, now I'm officially anxious. But if I just label it energy looking for an outlet, I just feel more excited about what I'm doing. Uh, I get that. Mm-hmm. If I am getting on a stage or I'm speaking in front of a big group of people, I definitely try to think that I'm excited about doing that mm-hmm. rather than I'm freaking the F out. Yeah. You know? But then you bring all that big energy, right? Once you channel it and yeah. you can, so it's, it's good to have that because uh, if you don't, then you can go flat or dull. Right. And it's funny that, at least for me, I'm always striving to not have that feeling, mm. to be cool, calm, collected always. But I guess you're right. It's kind of, we need it. It's definitely essential, yeah. especially if you want to operate on a high level. Yeah, Eddie Murphy said the only time he ever bombed on stage was when he didn't have any of that extra energy. Mm. He was just overconfident, went up there and tanked. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Good concept. But also that you're intentional. Do my best. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's the key. So is this your coffee I'm drinking? Uh, it is. It's uh, it is. It's approved. Is it's it approved? coming from a Swede. Okay. Which means somebody that drinks a lot of coffee. Okay. What do you What do you normally drink for coffee? Um, you know, I think I told you this before. I need to up my coffee game. Um, when I just moved to the U.S., I brought Swedish coffee. Zuegas, shout out. And I that was all I had i refused to drink the american coffee and i was um also not keen of the super sweet you know crazy drinks that starbucks has yeah we tend to keep it pretty simple barely a little a splash of milk maybe um so i definitely need to up my coffee game i usually do pods Mm -mm. No judging, but a little bit of judging. You you can judge. I'm (laughs) judging myself every morning. Um, And it's, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop it right there because if I tell you what brand it is, I'm probably going to get kicked out. Oh, man, we won't. You know, you'll be safe. As long as you don't say, nah, you can can say whatever you want. I was going to say Folgers, but if you say Folgers, it's like, no. Which which one is that? It's like what our grandparents of our generation used to drink out of a can, like instant, you know, like you literally, it's in a tin can, you scrape it and it's granular. It doesn't even look like real coffee. Oh, and it's like dry and it's been on a shelf for three years. Super, just not good. Um, This time it's Kirkland, Costco, a big box of that. Hey, you know what? I'll give, Costco has, they they usually seek out decent quality, so I'll give you credit. It's okay. It works. It's not most delicious thing in the morning but it does the job (laughs) yeah what you know i think i went through this phase where the morning routine or whatever right went from once upon a time it was like just wake up and then go and then it was like okay maybe there's a little more to slowing down and doing other things and then i got to the point where my my mornings you know before i break into things are like two to three hours of you know whatever it is and so coffee instead of just being this thing where i you know, throw it in a cup, pour hot water on it and say I'm good to go or stopping in a drive through it's, it's a fun experience. You know, it might take 15, 20 minutes, but just have that time there and it just feels better, tastes better. 
can do better things with it. So I've tried to do that in life a lot lately. Not going to lie, I, I was pretty intimidated seeing that um, coffee setup you had. Yeah. I want to go home and just <laughs> make some changes. Well. Especially that powder. I don't actually don't taste it too much. What was it again? So it's called Renewed. And uh, yeah, it's, so it has monk fruit, a few different types of mushrooms, and uh, what else is in there? And cinnamon. And uh, you did use a very, very tiny amount, so you probably could use a little bit more, but... And it's supposed to have a cognitive benefit? That's what, that's what they say, whoever they is. <laughs> when I think of they, I think of my Instagram feed. Yeah? Or, uh, sorry, not feed, the um, Explorer page. Mm, that's funny. That's uh, it's usually what people, when they say they, they read it in somewhere. Uh, we, really used quick to, and we used to think of like researchers, right? Yeah. Or scientists or people that were influential and told us things that they knew that yeah. we should believe. But now, but now it's the Explorer page. Yeah. It, oh, huh. if I'm talking to a friend and I'm referring to, oh, I read that thing. I mean, I read articles sometimes, but you open the Explorer page and there's just a video tiktok style and there's three sentences and it takes four seconds and you've learned something new huh. and then you go and talk to your friend about it and you refer to oh i hear they say that you know the divorce rate in the u.s is uh, higher than x country hmm. i didn't actually go in and look for the stats I'm sure there's a lot of people that if if we were to open your <clears throat> excuse me, if we were to open your explorer page, what would it look like? Oh, that's such an what interesting be, question. Like, I have to say the explorer page, I have noticed how it's so influenced by who you hang out with. Hmm. It's you know when your friends are going through a breakup. Like there will be oh. quotes. Wow. Or like some, I know that my jujitsu stuff came from you and only you. So we interact on there and then it's like, it started popping up. That's crazy. I was like, oh, wow. So I wonder what would be on mine. Should we check? Uh, You're more than welcome to. I know exactly what's on mine. Yeah. What's funny though is it also, I think, sometimes targets you by age or gender. Um, because if anybody looked at my history just on Instagram alone, there's not me looking at like influencer women or things like that on there. It's just not like, it's not a lot of booties and no, but if I open mine up, it says MMA, jujitsu philosophy quotes, Oh, but they always put, and maybe that's just because there's a ton of people that are into it and they're just always trying to get you interested in new stuff on like a couple of squares, but there's going to be at least one or two on there. And Interesting. Yeah, it's like every time it'll be like MMA, violence, philosophy, something about books, and then like a big butt. That's, it's like it's trying to, it's just in the corner. It's like, Derek, whenever you're ready, one day, we're right here. We'll get you. one click away. Yeah. Um, mine has recently been very influenced by feminine energy and versus masculine energy and mm. uh, hormonal support stuff and diets and a lot of core workouts 
A lot of core workouts. So I'm okay. like, is the universe telling me I need to be more feminine, have a stronger core muscle? Mm. And yeah, I don't know. It's, Do you it's have a killer, killer core exercise you like? No. It's, I would say it's probably currently my weakest muscle. Hmm. Probably. How about you? I'm, I'm sure you do. I think just you. kind of everything. You know, I like hanging from the bar. Just I simple saw stuff that. like that. <laughs> yeah. Leg raises. I don't know. I just think it's, uh, I think everything you do can, if you're working out right, you know, or at least what I would consider right, maybe it's not the best way, but for me it is, you're, you're always using your core muscles, so you yeah. don't have to spend a lot of extra time there all the time. True. Or eating right. True. I think I started um, looking at working out very different differently now. It's more. It's more what makes me feel good. I'm very in tune with my body, almost a little bit too much, sometimes. So, it kind of, it makes it a lot easier to commit to my workout when I know that that run is gonna clear my mind, mm. or. You know, an ab workout is going to make me feel strong and, you know, good posture rest of the day because I'm, you know, maybe I was sitting all day yesterday. So it's like I kind of adjusted to that. I used to just take classes before, Hmm. which like is everything, but I enjoy my time now. That's good. I think even... You're making me think, because even sitting here, right? I'm like leaning in, listening, but also I know I've trained myself like biomechanically. My lower back is straight. I'm not hunched over. Like I'm, you know, that's like, yeah. So it's interesting how you can still, you know, you just train yourself to to have certain things where you're activating the right stuff. Yeah. Like I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll, I'll see kind of you know how you see your scapula comes mm-hmm. out sometimes and I'm like oh, okay I need a little bit more of a back workout <laughs> mm. you know I incorporate that a little bit in my routine because our, my day is so different every day I mean with my job some days I'm in the car all day some days I'm out walking you know 20,000 steps some days I'm just on the phone all day so yeah it affects my body differently I guess mm. So, I know you're talking about real estate? Yes. Okay, because I know you are mentioning some esthetician items earlier. So, oh, yeah, tell me about... Oh, that. Yeah, well, tell me about real estate, especially in San Diego. I, um, it's actually the only job I've had here. Only full-time job, besides kind of working at the Swedish school. But it's always, yeah. I love it. I've always said it's not hard to sell paradise. Mm, that's pretty cool. We live in a, such a beautiful place. We have high level everything, education, healthcare, beaches, nature, everything. So it's obviously also costing us a lot to live here, so you you know, you have to operate on a high level at all times to be able to live here. Yeah. So Real estate has been a three and a half year journey here. Um, and I recently learned that I enjoy people more than houses. 
I love houses, design, architecture, all that stuff. But it's the people that I connect with and the impact that I have in their lives and the impact they have in my life doing real estate. So do you want to buy a house? It's a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Let's make that happen. It's funny. I would like to accumulate several more. Um, I can tell you how I got into it. When I had just moved here, um, the first person that I came in contact with was a real estate agent. And I asked her after, you know, why did you pick me as an applicant? I know there's four other people in there. And she said, because you were the only one that took your shoes off when you walked in. And we are friends till this day. She's like my sister. I, she kind of took me under her wing and she noticed that I was fresh off the boat, you know. And I just loved everything we did together for a year. I kind of supported her. Um, we'd, you know, sell houses, help clients purchase investments, design, construction, kind of got into all of it and decided, you know, I want to get my license. So my mom came to visit me and she said, before I leave, you should have your license, especially when she learned how easy it is to get it here. So I scheduled my exam seven days out and studied the whole time she was here. And yeah, it's just been the coolest ride ever since. Sometimes I'm like, I should have checked my brain before I considered getting into something like that, knowing I am so, I like control. (laughs) This is like the least control you get, starting at least as an independent contractor. Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the best thing I've ever done here. So you you started studying and completed the whole thing, passed the test after seven days. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And um, which it's not really I, hard. I feel like most people Thank take, you, take months on that. I mean, I actually yeah. have. I'll show you when we're walking out. I have all of the real estate license exam study material out there. Really? So I know what it looks like. It's not. I mean, there's like got to be a full thick packet per day out there. It's kind of like learning a different language, mm. because what you do on the field you don't really understand how that's correlated to what you're reading in the book always until you've worked for a couple of years and you've seen why, you know, certain laws and certain policies and agencies are a thing. But I initially, obviously my experience with her, but also I had to drop out of law school in Sweden to move here. I sacrificed what I thought was my dream kind of still is but seeing how real estate is in that aspect law the contracts oh it gets me (laughs) i love it it's words language you have to think about it understand it it's problem solving at a very high level yes definitely and also it's the most kind of emotional process your home selling moving losing your home Mm. that's um, yeah it's an interesting way of combining both worlds definitely that's uh, 
when you when you talk about control and independent contractors, I've it's it's interesting in terms of you. I mean, you've obviously you've done real estate for enough years now where you can say it's not you're not still trying to figure out how to get going. But a lot of people when they jump into starting a business, which is really what I look at an independent contractor as someone starting a business, obviously you have a framework, you have people to help support you. But the the one thing where I see people go most wrong is the right word, but they have the biggest challenges is they don't have enough outbound activity, right? You're kind of in this hunter mentality and that takes a certain kind of wiring to go out and, you know, hunt and kill your own food, AKA find clients, make the deals happen, you know, face a lot of rejection. Mm -hmm. Had you ever done anything like that before? I've always, it's interesting you say that because it really does take different wiring um and i did not have it moving here being you know from sweden with that cultural background we uh, real estate is very different there i mean the rpa here the purchase contract is 16 pages the whole entire thing in sweden is like two pages wow (laughs) the whole transaction here's the house here's the money you sign here yeah here's you know how many keys three okay cool i'll take it um, so that's been different, but I've always kind of been drawn to doing my own thing, even back home. Cause you asked me about the esthetician thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I started when I was 14 at my mom's house doing nails, doing my own nails. And I got really good at it. So I started ordering all the stuff and then I started doing it at all my friends, you know, I started doing their eyebrows and just full blown running a beauty salon in my mom's, you know, second bedroom. Um, and when I was 16, I had so much that I had to move out and get my own place because I didn't necessarily want to spend that on an actual, you know, salon. Um, I was also 16, so... <laughs> With that being said, I kind of started like running a full-blown beauty business from home, which you can do in Sweden, and you don't even have to be licensed to do it. Um, and I started getting all the licensing and stuff. Finally opened an actual you know, salon in central Sweden, a place called Slotstaden. <laughs> and it was the coolest thing ever. I, But it was very physically... Um, exhausting not only you know you're sitting all day hunched over or you know and exposed to all the chemicals and stuff you're also hearing people's stories I mean you're meeting at least 20 people a day that are that become friends because you've been seeing them every month for years and it's really hard to not take it home you kind of become like a therapist almost Mm. so that was my first kind of business venture uh, I sold that when I moved here. So, how about you? I mean, you're pretty entrepreneurial yourself. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's pretty cool. And Thank uh, you. I mean, yeah, to to have that mindset at 16, and it's interesting when you say you're almost like a therapist. Most people think of doctors trying not to take thing home, take thing home, or being a police officer, all these other roles. I don't know if people 
generally think about the beauty industry like that. But if you are, if you do have people that want to share and trust, you know, information with you, you are carrying that with you now. It's pretty great. Yes. Um, definitely. I mean, do you, do you go to a barber or do you you take care of it yourself? I've been thinking about shaving my head again. Thanks. Yeah. I, I had my hair short for a long time, which is easier. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a guy at the gym I was working out at uh, for a while. They closed it. It's called La Jolla Sports Club. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think one time I just let it get a little bit longer. And, and he, I don't know, we started talking to each other. You know, it's like 5 a.m. workout crew type of thing. And I found out he cut hair. And I was like, yeah, I have long curly hair. I just don't, I don't like dealing with it. You know, routine. So, yeah, it's just easier to keep it shaved. I don't have to think about it every day. It's just always fine. And he said, oh, grow it out. You know, I'll cut it for you. And I said, all right, we'll make a deal. You can cut it as long as it doesn't require me to spend more than like three minutes a day on it, right? And that was our deal in 2018, 19. And so I've just, since then, I've gone to him. Really? Pretty solid guy, yeah. And so during that time, how much do you think you've shared with this person? Um, I'm one of those people I don't mind sharing a lot, but he is, uh, he has a lot of personality, super cool guy. And so I, I feel like, uh, he will, you know, grill me. Are you dating anybody? And it's, it's also a salon. So like the environment there, but it's also in downtown La Jolla. Oh. So it's a, uh, the generationally a generation or two, you know, uh, before my time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they, they think it's funny. Like I was dating someone earlier this year. And they're like, did you meet her parent? You know, so I get all those things, stuff like that. But it's almost like a salon conversation at this point. I see. Um, it's funny. And they'll remember your stories. They they do. Yeah. If I, even if I walk by, because, you know, it's like it's down in the cove. I'd walk by over there and, you know, hey, there, that kind of stuff. So it's cool. It's it's neat. It's uh, um, But I, I've always been like in and out with the haircut thing. So it's different for me. But it's been a few years now. And it's fun. And I, I like to ask people questions and hear what's going on in their world. So I feel like that happens. It's just more conversational, I guess. So it's like a trade. Yeah. Um, I Now when I go get anything, like my hair done or anything mm-hmm. like that, I really avoid talking, I've noticed. Because hmm. it's my time where I, it's f- for me, having a hectic schedule, and then you get that hour where you can get away and you know do something for yourself i kind of just want to get in the zone and chill Mm. and sometimes you meet people that might want to chat about a lot of things yeah sometimes it's people that ask you a lot of personal questions or questions about you because they're genuinely interested Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's people that just talk you know telling stories sharing things because they want to share either way i've recently enjoyed silence but you know if somebody wants to talk I kind of let them do their thing well, I can imagine too you're easy to talk to and if you in the past with your clients you know they want to share a lot with you I could also imagine you go in there and you start talking all of a sudden the person that's doing your hair is unloading you know there's exactly. st- yeah so it's kind of like man I'm in here to chill and and I'm you know it's I'm sorry to hear about your dog, but it's not like <laughs> <laughs> my hair looks good, but I got an injection of negativity. Mm, yeah, you got to be careful with that. Yeah, protect yeah. your energy for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was necessarily my dream. I was obviously 
where I ended up now. I'm not doing any beauty-related business stuff, but it also my parents would have not liked that at all because we're supposed to be doctors and attorneys, right? Oh, is that what your parents told you? Um, it was always, you know, you're supposed to do something hmm. good, high level. Yeah. Um, it's also things that they didn't accomplish, so it's like trying to make you do it so they can feel good about themselves, maybe. It's interesting how that works. Uh, I was driving to L.A. yesterday with my buddy Mauricio, a couple of my nephews, and he just, him and I have done a couple podcasts together. One of them, he flipped the script and he interviewed me the whole time. He was like, I'm going to interview you. And I was like, all right, whatever, let's do this. You know, it's just fun. But uh, we had people reach out from all over, literally all over the world, to him, to me, talking about the parent thing. And, you know, he was like, you know, it must be interesting. It's a totally different thing to think about because I don't, I'm, I don't have a relationship with my mother. Uh, it's hard to. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> and yeah. then I've never met my dad. But for me, over time, especially when I was younger, I didn't want to carry around this like emotional burden. Mm-hmm. So I tried to figure out different ways to look at it. And one thing I noticed is that you know, uh, some of my friends that I've had for a long time that are maybe a lawyer or really went into this profession that they were not coerced to, but sort of guided into because of their parents are super unhappy right now. You know, they're late thirties, early forties, and they have drinking problems or whatever this might be. And it's because they never got to go figure out what they want. Mm -hmm. They were doing it because their parents told them. So, um, you know, part of me, like the way I've reshaped that in my mind is that there's a bit of a blessing there that I have had the opportunity to go and just sort of lead my own adventure without, uh, this, you know, pressure from anybody. Not that I would listen to someone anyways, but, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's, it, it's interesting. You obviously have carved out your own path too. So you were more maybe resistant to the, uh, familial, familial pressure. We call it that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, how about the absence of a father and, I mean, it seems like not speaking to your mom was a choice. So that's, I mean, good for you. Hmm. Ch- choosing peace. Yeah, and I, I, it's, uh, and I do. I try to reach out to her sometimes and say hi, but it's, she's not someone you can have a conversation with. So I don't feel like I've, you know, exiled her to the desert or something like that. But anybody that would try to talk to her for more than two minutes would realize it's just not a, it's not something that is manageable or or makes sense. That's okay. Yeah, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the dad thing is really interesting, too. That there's like a really cool guy I had on this podcast like maybe two years ago. And he spent his whole life in social work and working with kids and families. And he has data that shows something like 70% of parenting, right? So we're talking, I think it's mother, father, and a household. Like full household with mm-hmm. parenting is, is actually terrible parenting. Oh, I'm in, sure. In terms of how it wires kids. So he has this whole technique he's developed, which is really cool. We did a little bit of it after the podcast episode, but it's a reparenting technique. And so, um, I I mean, it's actually spreading around. There's a a place in La Jolla called Essential Medicine, Mm -hmm. and I'm walking by and I saw these tools. And it's like an interesting way to communicate, basically, where we'd both be holding on to a a stick. And that's a terrible thing to call it. It's Mm -hmm. a lot more advanced than that. Yeah. 
and I saw one and I was like, what is that? And they go, oh, it's this thing, like da 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 da. I'm like, I know exactly what that is. Like I've met him, had him on the podcast, but I, I say that because I, I, I think a lot about, you know, what's, what's worse, like the absence of somebody. I shouldn't say I think a lot about it, but when it comes up in conversation, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, you know, would you rather have bad parenting, the absence of parenting, you know, like wh- which one, because if you have, you know, less parenting and more freedom, you might make a lot more mistakes because you don't have people that you can rely on to get guidance from and things like that. But I also feel like I got very comfortable making those mistakes, figuring out how to adjust. And it seems like people come into your life anyways, right? When you're trying to do the right thing or do different things. And so there's always people that you'll find along the way that, uh, you know, they can, they can be those, not maybe, maybe not the same exact thing as mm-hmm. like your birth mother and father, but they can help you figure some things out. And so I've just been very fortunate to find a lot of these people in my life. Yeah. Seems like you have a great support system and great friends. I, um, I agree. I think I can't, wow, when I think about my parents' divorce now, I, just hearing what you said, I couldn't wait for that to be over and done. I was like, finally, mom, you finally did it, you know? So I, I definitely relate to that. It's so, I grew up in a really dysfunctional family, although my mom is an angel. She's probably the reason we're all sane and alive. But I, I get that to, to just, you know, just because society and or the culture has said the family structure should be a certain way, it doesn't mean it's healthy. And then when it comes to, to your point about the career path and, you know, they're, them having an opinion on what you should be doing with your life, because, I mean, may, maybe it stems from love, right? And wanting you to be good, but a lot of it is also projecting and kind of their own things that they should have dealt with before they tried to make me do something with my life. So I now when I talk to my mom on the phone and she'll ask me, well, you know, what about kids? You're not going to have kids soon? Like, mom, I'm young. Like, mm. well, let me just, <laughs> don't worry about it. And she's, she's like, what do you mean young? It's too late. I'm like, oh my God, I am 30. Like, what do you mean too late? Yeah. And so we were going back and forth about it. And I love talking to my mom about these things because she's so open-minded. But I know her request for kids is very selfish because she wants, mm. she wants them. But I said, Mom, what about, what about you wanting me to be happy? Mm. What about what makes me happy? Wouldn't you want to see me always happy, doing what I want? Yes, but I know that kids are going to make you happy. So then it goes back to that, right? So I'm like, nowadays, it's definitely not pressure, you know? Yeah. I detached from that. But growing up, oh, I would get punished if I had a B. You know, I was terrified, shaking on my way home from school, knowing what my dad was going to do about it. So that's taken some time to, you know, shave off and just follow, do things that I actually make me happy, which I'm still figuring out. But it's a journey. 
That's well, maybe the quote on this coffee cup here will help with that. The happiest people discover their own nature and match their life to it. That's, <laughs> yeah. Resonates a lot. Well, and it's, you know, it's, I think it's one of the reasons I, I find I ha- I'm able to, you know, someone's like yelling or they're in a bad mood. Or we we kind of talked about this mm-hmm. before we sat down. You know, why, you, you asked a question, you know, why do you think people are just okay yelling or just being in this, uh, you know, aggravated emotional state? And uh, so we've made it acceptable. But I also find that I find it much easier these days and something I've worked on for a while is just to put myself in their shoes. And you can't, I don't think you can do that truly, but at least come from a place of compassion Mm. where if someone's worked up about something and so, you know, hearing part of your story, right? If, If people were to go, oh, you know, poor Derek, it must be hard this way, this. But then you hear, you know, someone had two parents and they have their own emotional experiences Mm -hmm. right and so it's i don't think there's a i think we all we all just kind of have this this path and it's you know we all have different challenges and it's very relative to that person as a unique individual what theirs is you know regardless of circumstances so you obviously not having a big influence from your parents do you feel you've mentioned the the good stuff about that and the I I mean I appreciate your perception and willingness to just see things in a positive positive light but what about what you think it took away from you or caused or any trauma it's like I want to get into the oh, dirty yeah I dirty mean, stuff it, it definitely affected like my attitude as a teenager in early 20s and I mean I'm very fortunate that I didn't get in a lot of trouble for how I live life yeah? Were um, you like a rebellious oh, teenager yeah. or what was your oh, give me an example? Uh there's 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 many. Um, you know, driving around in stolen cars and running from police helicopters and all, I mean the list goes on and on. Um but I also like think but some of that stuff used to hang me up. Like when I first started getting my life in order, you know, I remember going to a community college and uh, I missed a lot of school mm-hmm. you know a lot of school like years of school in terms of just the normal k through high school and so when i sat down to take the test fortunately i i developed enough like language communication skills or maybe just had it some of it more you know the nature versus nurture thing so all of that testing went fine but my math testing was terrible they're like you have to start in the most remedial basic like two plus two math and so if you were to ask me to sit down and do algebra it's I can get really creative and actually sometimes come up with the right answer, which caused some problems in class. They're like, how'd you get the right answer? Is this even the right method, you know? Uh, but so I, you know, you miss some things, right? So there's probably some things in the parenting that I, that just didn't happen in terms of my trajectory for life. And it caused me to behave in a certain way for a while. But then again, you got to figure it out, right? I don't want to blame anybody or say, Oh, because of that, this, like, that's not going to help me. Um, and I, th- I think one of the really neat things, you know, kind of laughing a little bit at the the pressure from mom over there, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, tradition and, oh, yeah. and the way that we've lived our lives as, as humans for a while is there's this expectation because, you know, when you're 50, you're, you're generally, quote unquote, not doing so well, like you're getting a lot older. So 30 is like beyond the halfway point, but that's just not the case in today's world. 
there's a lot more, you know, things are just very different. Very. Um, but I, I actually have people that I get, you know, I want to call it pressure anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's this one guy, Kevin, that, you know, I'd really say is like a father figure to me, like mm-hmm. known him for about eight years, super great guy. Uh, and him, and there's a, a strong other group of people too of these guys I know that are in their 50s or plus, and, you know, they've had families, done it very well in terms of, you know, raise good kids and, and all of these things. And I will regularly hear from them. So like, when, really? When, yeah. When are you getting kids? Who are you dating? Are you going to get serious about somebody? Like all that's to recurring like weekly or biweekly theme in my life. Um, two things about that. First thing, if I'm going to use your positive way of seeing things, they probably think you're a dope person and you should reproduce. <laughs> there should be more Derek's out here. Um, but also people, it's, it's insensitive, obviously it's not okay, but people do it from, it comes from such a good place, really like back to the first point. Right. So I get that. It's kind of like when you ask somebody if they lost weight or if they gained weight, like Mm. you never know somebody's struggling with that. Ah. What if you what if you can't have kids, you know, but you don't want to share that? Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. I I'm try I try to be a lot more mindful nowadays with that stuff. Like I don't ask my girlfriends that are in serious relationships. Mm. You know, when are you guys going to have kids? It kind of flows into, you know, how do you want your family life to look like? What are you mm. what are you doing in that aspect of your life? Just I think I'm pretty open about it too because I I do want kids and I've I've have not been shy about that since I figured it out. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they're like, "Hey, on first dates, you're not allowed to go just go in there and be like, hey, do you want kids?'" Like right when you meet someone, like uh, we joke around about that kind of mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you you made me think of that idea of the golden rule. Have you ever heard of the golden rule? Probably. It's like treat other people how you want to be treated. Oh yeah. yeah. So I think that's what most people do, but it's actually it's really not that great of a rule. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, well, you may not want to be treated how I want to be treated right yeah like some people are okay with you making assumptions and kind of like spiraling the conversation from there some people would rather you just ask a question right so Mm -hmm. instead of when are you going to have kids it's you start off a little bit differently you know uh would you even like to have kids yeah right and figure out what they want and go from there but most people are either really stuck in their own head with the, what they want to say. Yeah. They have their own agenda. Maybe they don't have the patience to mm-hmm. listen because they're, you know, on the go, the American cycle. So right. a lot of layers to it. And for me, if I'm really comfortable with you as my friend, you know, I definitely have zero intentions of ever hurting you, but I would probably be a lot more comfortable to where I can just say what's on my mind without filtering it through first. Hmm. Where maybe a question like that comes out that way, but I quickly correct myself, you know, because I really try to be mindful of that stuff. But I get you. I think back to your point about uh, being compassionate, especially when you've had challenges in your own life, it becomes easier to tolerate certain things. And especially when you see people's reactive nature sometimes, whether it's in work or personal relations, I can't say I was compassionate at all a couple of years ago at all not in viewing others but myself too Hmm. 
What do you think changed that? Um, I really think hurt people hurt. Hmm. And if an anger and all these emotions, they stem from somewhere. For a lot of people, it can be, you know, however their day is going or whatever, you know, something temporary. But there's trauma and other things stored in your body that manifests in your life in so many ways. Like I noticed, I think one of the first things I noticed was how I would talk to myself. I'm such an idiot. Mm. I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? I'm this or I'm that. And as much as I was confident and didn't think I'm stupid, I, it was just, it's not how you talk to yourself. You, your brain starts believing it. And I realized, oh, that comes, you know, started tracing back to where that stems from. And a lot of the things that I did in a reactive nature comes from, you know, how I grew up and what I saw. And just like I mentioned before, very um, dysfunctional. But you don't know until you're in a position in your life where you're forced to change or stay and just deal with whatever that is. But for me, it was moving to the U.S. that forced me to change. Essentially, lost all my, didn't lose my roots, but I, I usually say it's almost like I repotted myself somewhere in different soil, different nutrients, and I couldn't really... Um, run my ecosystem the same way I was doing it back home in my comfort zone and around all my enablers so that forced my change to where I started tracing back to okay I know this comes from this pain and this experience and that's led me to be more compassionate how about you how are you compassionate that you I'm trying to figure it out right you when you start to meet good people in in your life and you uh, learn from them and you go, you know, why do I like this person? Why is this person nice to be around? What mm-hmm. is this person, you know, uh, the, the pleasure of just being around good people? And I think you just kind of figure it out over time and uh, I think it depends on what your intentions are. You know, some people are wired where they're a little more uh, selfish and, and you know, you, I know you mentioned trauma a couple times too, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, like, I know I was very aggressive, um, had a lot of you know behavioral things. I was always, I think, polite for the most part, but there was like a hidden, you know, intensity of rage or anger. And I don't, I don't know that it's actually gone away. Uh, it's still in there, but I've learned how to have certain habits, right? That uh, make you really be super aware of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, like why, okay, someone cut me off in traffic. Yeah, I could yell at him. I could flip him off, you know, whatever. Um, but you, you know, you, I feel like it's a, a trained thinking habit too. Yeah, absolutely. What came first, chicken or the egg, when it comes to emotion and thinking. Let's, I'm just use a traffic example, right? Someone's cut you off. Well, now my brain is just sort of wired. and I, I wouldn't say it's flawless or perfect. I like to think it's pretty good. Uh, but instead of like, what a jackass, you know, I'm like, man, whatever they got going on, I hope they stay safe. And, right. you know, that's wild. Why are they There's driving? Much power like that? in that. Yeah. And you can just do that with really anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
I would say it's, it seems like it's an, a very intentional effort every day. And it's interesting you say that that anger or whatever force is still there. I mean, I, I think, you know, our experiences will always be there with us, but um, not reacting to all the crazy things that our brain and emotions tell us all the time is, yeah, it's something you have to master. Seems like you did pretty well. I think we have this. You haven't ripped my head off yet. (laughs) (laughs) No. I think we have this uh, energy, right? You've been talking about masculine and feminine energy, and I'm really Mm -hmm. curious as to your your take on that. I think as a a man or as a guy, and there's a lot of gender talks or whatever, but if you're born with testosterone, right? We'll just call it that. If you're born with testosterone and you have that in your body for a long period of time, and you are taking care of yourself in terms of not eating garbage and you're making sure you move your body, just do all the things where your your system is operating the way it's designed to, you know, to the best of your ability, mm-hmm. you have to find an outlet for those energies. And I think I've just found and discovered so many things that that help with that, that it keeps it managed or allows you to direct it or guide it. Almost like you're on this, you know, mm-hmm. ship. Like you have all these torpedoes or weapons and you can use them anytime, but they're, you don't need them. And it's more fun to take the ship and do some exploring and figure out what that looks like. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it's all there, but, or things like, uh, jujitsu, weightlifting, mm-hmm. reading, writing this. I love this sitting down and talking to you like this is fun. Right. That's cool. You're taking control of your life and your day and you don't allow, um, the reactivity kind of create it. You're using your tool belt how you want and not draining your energy on things. Oh, for sure. I mean, it must be so exhausting to flip somebody off every time (laughs) they do something in traffic, especially driving around here. Mm. You know, I think (laughs) I realized why people drive the way they do when I went to um, the DMV the first time to get my license here. In Sweden, it's damn near impossible to get your driver's license. Really? Oh, it's so hard. It's one of the hardest countries in the world. So what are some of the differences? Sweden and the... Yeah, just in general. The U.S.? Yeah. Oh, I mean, how many people live in the U.S.? Like 400 million? Is it really that many? Like, I don't know. Wow. Let's say between 200 and 400. Yeah. We'll fact check later. Sure. Sweden is 9 million. I think we just got to 10. I'm not sure. Very small country, but the third largest by area in in Europe. Hmm. Uh, it's oh there's so many differences and for me when i i mean i was born and raised there second generation immigrants my parents went to sweden in the 80s you know for a better life and i think kind of 80s 90s was when a lot of immigrants you know migrated to sweden and um especially like the balkan Wars, I don't know if you remember that, like the Serbian genocides and all that stuff, terrible things happening to these people. A lot of them fled to Sweden. My family was part of, you know, the asylum seekers in the 80s. And that was an interesting experience growing up because for me, all I know is Sweden. But I don't look Swedish. And my parents are so different from everything else here. Mm. And you're kind of living, you know, one life at home and one outside. You're trying to figure out which who you are, what you identify as, because society 
view you as other. I mean, Swedish people. So then I say, oh, you know, where are you from? It's kind of the first question, right? Although we, I, they, you know, you know, I'm born and raised here in Sweden, and it becomes that experience for me in Sweden with identity was definitely weird growing up. Um, here, I'm kind of <laughs> having the same. I would say I'm having the same challenge. Not that it's something that I care about, you know, figuring out. But I get asked all the time, "Where are you from?" and I always know if I'm going to say Sweden, I'm going to immediately get, you don't look Swedish. I almost always say it with them. And then, you know, you dive into the history and, you know, all that. But I want to, can I identify as San Diegan? You go for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not from here. So the people that, you know, some of those folks that are here and like native forever, they will they will probably tell me I'm not allowed to say that or bestow that upon you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm so, not even, since I'm not from here, I'm technically... What's your... Where are you from? Earth. Maybe. I'm not even convinced of that, actually. So. Where were you born? Let's start there. I was born in a place I never lived. Okay. So I was born in a city called Lodi in Northern California. Super small town. Mm -hmm. Basically just, you know, was birthed at the hospital there. And out. But lived in other places, yeah. Really? Did you move around a lot? A lot, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, um was born and raised in Malmö, which is Malmö. Say cool. uh like uh, that. Malmö. Yeah. Oh, Malmö. good. Okay. Yes. Um, in southern Sweden, as south as you can get almost. Um, it's the third largest city. It connects uh, Sweden and Denmark by I said this once and this person reacted so funny and came up with a word, but I said, you know, it's the city that connects Sweden and Denmark. It's the world's longest underwater bridge hmm. he goes what's an underwater bridge isn't that a brunnel <laughs> like a tunnel oh like a bridge tunnel <laughs> yeah that's cool <laughs> so yeah i refer to it as a brunnel now um and yeah i've lived there my whole life you know 24 25 was when i came out here so it's a small town about 200 300 people thousand people i think 250 50 when I grew up and then as I left I think kind of got closer to 350,000 um, very interesting experience as a Middle Eastern with parents that immigrated for sure yeah I think as we were talking earlier I ended up asking you were you born there right instead of going oh you don't look like you're from there I was like yeah Wait, tell me more because obviously there was oh well it, that's yeah it's interesting how people ask questions sometimes yeah. but yeah um, and, you know, it's it's a different perspective, too, because when I think about, you know, most of my friends who are maybe first or second generation in the U.S., mm -hmm. and, and maybe I'm missing a few here, but most of them were, their parents moved here, but directly from, we'll call it the source country, their yeah. source country, right? They did not immigrate somewhere else and then here. So, I mean, that has to be a super interesting uh, perspective in terms of tradition and cultural values because you're trying to pass them into through the lens of two cultures instead of just one. Gosh, do you have three days three. to listen? Oh. <laughs> Joking. We could break a record. It's, um, yeah, it is definitely interesting, um, especially, you know, embarking on the journey to the U.S. on my own. My family is all still in Sweden. My mom lives in Stockholm, you know. 
I try to actually I call it manipulation because every phone call is my efforts trying to get them to move out here because I just know oh I guess I'm doing exactly what my mom is doing I know this is going to make you happy <laughs> so you should move here um, but yeah it's I, I loved growing up in Sweden I loved my life there obviously it's all I knew I love Sweden as a country and as a culture and their people very genuine and naive and you know I just didn't I always felt like I didn't fit in which was less about my looks because obviously like I mentioned before it's a lot of immigrants in Sweden so a lot of people that go are surprised they're like oh I thought I was just gonna see blonde people and blue eyes everywhere and they realize it's so not like that just like when you out in San Diego right such a diverse community here it was something else that I just didn't feel was me. And I think it's probably the, the it's a socialist country, first of all. So we had opportunities that a lot of people don't have. Education, healthcare, you know, I was blessed with all that, but that also has its limitations. Yeah, earlier you mentioned you know, San Diego or maybe even California in general, having good system support and healthcare. And I, you know, a lot of people think that the U.S. healthcare system is very broken. So hearing you say that, it was immediately this little ping on my radar. Like, wow, okay, what, what kind of healthcare is she used to? What, you know, what qualifies for good health there? It's a, a super big topic in today's world. Oh my God, let's talk about that. I'm so interested in healthcare, the revolution. And more of a um, not treatment type of healthcare, more preventative mm. type, which it's so not today. I can't say the healthcare in Sweden is better. We have very high level um, institutions out here and researchers and, and a lot of things come from the U.S., although Sweden is pretty big on the, at least in the medical field, to medication. I think AstraZeneca Swedish company. Hmm. Um, they sell a lot of drugs out here, but it's funny because they probably sell them for, you know, a thousand percent more here because in Sweden it's free. It's taxpayers pay for all that. You don't pay for healthcare at all. That's my benefit. But I also have to wait three months to get an appointment because we, you know, you have to get in line so everybody can get an opportunity. Here, you have, there's so many levels. There's the healthcare that people that have access to an obscene amount of money have access to. And that's definitely preventative healthcare. And then there's what, you know, the rest of us get access to. But we also pay for it. We pay a lot of money. It can ruin your life if you are diagnosed with something here. It wouldn't change your life in any way in Sweden in that sense, other than, you know, obviously the health or the physical, but you won't lose your house or get kicked out. Well, I don't know when I when I think of socialized healthcare too. I mean, I I I believe it's great for people to have access to that, like you're talking about. Um, what I saw in Brazil That's was right. a lot of corruption, though. Oh, really? You have well, because if you had money, you know, instead of waiting three months, all of a sudden you're at the front of the line. Oh, or you know a doctor. I mean, I feel 
uh, I felt a little guilty when I was there. I met some really great, influential, well-connected people, and I got sick. Um, and they're like, "Oh, we call that the gringo sickness," because I was like in the in a city that was in the Amazon. Yeah, they're funny. like anybody that's, that's here they call it? for longer it's than a couple of months, like your body just kind of goes through this. I'm sure it's a change in you know, environment. I yeah. can add that experience here too. Yeah, okay. the water and you know all that. So, what yeah. did you experience? So, you know, usually you'd be waiting in line for a while, right? And I was just—I was, would call it like a bad flu or cold. Even mm-hmm. though I felt—I have some funny pictures if you want to see them. Yeah, I'm like Loved laying it. there with tissue shoved in my nose, and there's like I'm just sprawled out, not looking great. Um, but it only took me a day to get in. I called someone. They're like, "Oh." How, you know, how soon can you get there? Let me call somebody. They called me back and I was in there like the next morning, you know, and you and I walk in there and there's people that have been waiting there probably all morning for hours just right. to get in. I'm there for like 10 minutes and we go, we go in and the doctor was just fascinated to meet me. Ooh, you know, an American. Oh, you speak, he wanted to practice his English. Yeah. Like, oh just, my God. So funny that you say that. Yeah. I'm sure he was so excited to finally practice his English. It was, it was, I mean, it was cool. Like I had, it was a great experience and I was super appreciative, but I also look at a, at a mass scale. Like I'm not the only person that, you know, is getting special treatment like that at that time. And that's just not, that's not fair. Not that life is fair, but when you have a system that's designed where everybody gets access and there's no way to prioritize or protect from the corruption, things can go awry. So there's gotta be it's got to be a better way that's somewhere between what's happening in the U.S. right now and the socialized aspect of everybody's quote-unquote equal because the truth is everybody's not equal. Oh, yeah. Um, you and I are fortunate to be here. Um, it could be over for somebody else, somewhere else. But what about the quality of healthcare there? I actually thought it was better. Yeah. For example, we don't... You talked about preventative care. Mm-hmm. If, if you look at like one of the things I really like that they did is kind of gross, but uh, mm-hmm. they take a stool sample. Yeah. Right. Um, if you go to a naturopath in the U.S., which you have to pay for, you know, generally way more than just your copay going to your doctor if you have insurance. I'm sure. They do those things and they figure out what's going on. Oh, you have a parasite. Oh, you're deficient in this su- this nutrient zinc. You know the the standardized health biome and other metrics. Yeah, the standardized healthcare in the U.S. is you take a blood test, they check a few basic things. But they don't know your, you know, your mineral. There's just so much that they miss. Oh, this is so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, so if we really wanted good preventative health care, that is something that could be more accessible to a lot of people. And it would be less of a burden on the financial health care system if we actually fixed things mm-hmm. instead of just wrote a prescription for them to cover them up until someone has more problems later. Because our system is designed for us to keep coming back asking for more drugs because this medication is going to give you this side effect and you're going to get that. And then there's certain medications that there's one kind of because they won't allow another company to compete with that treatment. And you run your own business, right? Yeah. So what do you, and I'm going to make some assumptions, Mm -hmm. you can correct me, but generally in a business you're not going oh i hope i have less revenue this quarter than last quarter and what are pharmaceutical companies and and doctors all these things they're driven by profits so why would you want to fix things and make less money this quarter than last quarter? they should be prosecuted honestly because (laughs) it's 
it's it's like you said i will go to my doctor and get my blood drawn and and she'll look at them and compare them to national metrics i'm like no that shouldn't be the standard and so i go home and i start looking i can get crazy about this by the way tiny <laughs> go tiny for bit, it a hypo this is the place to go crazy but i will look at my numbers from the past five years and although we you know didn't do enough tests there because i think there's so many things you should look at i will compare my years previous years and i'll see certain things that are very off and i just think hmm, my doctor thought it was still normal but I can tell by just looking at this that I need to make some changes in my diet or whatever it is. And letting things like that just go for years and years and years, it's devastating to your body. Yeah. And for me, I have psoriasis, an autoimmune disease. And it was kind of stress-induced as a kid. And it's, I go and get treated here. And I get lotions and creams and steroids that are so heavy and they give me other, you know, crazy side effects. And I'm just like, my doctor has never talked to me about my gut, like my gut health. Mm-hmm. Never talked to me about that. It's so linked to my serotonin and, you know, uh, uptake and my gut and my microbiome and all of that. And it's never, I've been diagnosed since I was seven, I'm 30. And I'm myself finding, you know, these things and learning my body and what, what helps me. So. What do you think of the lotion collection here? Yours? <laughs> the, I don't know if you checked it out when you're in the. I actually did in the bathroom. Oh, it's yeah, pretty impressive. Like, this whole condo is <laughs> kind of how clean it is. And that was me you know, experimenting. You wouldn't think there's a guy living here oh, if well. I can be. I'm not sure how to take that, but I think yeah, I'll take it as a compliment. It's, it's insulting <laughs> to all other men. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. As long as it still has that, you know, strong <laughs> guy feeling in terms of masculine. But. Why were you so, um, or maybe, maybe you didn't, but I sensed you looking at me differently when I said, just that moment when I said that you have a very, you're a very masculine man. Oh. It's an interesting topic these days, right? And I don't think of myself, like, traditionally you think of like a Clint Eastwood or some guy that's like, you know, like real no. tough guy. Is that what you think of masculine? No, it's a, it's a, I think, yeah, that's a really deep and interesting topic. We can definitely dive that way. I think, but most people, you know, this with what's happening right now in the social conversations and the culture of the U.S., uh, being masculine, you know, you get these labels like... Uh, uh, toxic positivity and things like that. And it's, uh, I think masculine, you know, that's it. even defining things is really interesting these days, right? Cause things are starting to lose their original definition. Um, True. but, uh, you know, maybe you, you can tie it to things like being a strong pillar and like, a, you know, nowadays it's like being emotionally available is a more masculine trait than it was 15 years ago where it used to be, the silent tough guy was actually masculine. So I think it's an evolving term phrase on mm-hmm. the, on the skin thing though, before I forget, remind me before you leave, there's this really cool company and maybe you've heard of them already called skin C. Uh, and it's like S K I N S E A. And it's a probiotic that you take. And they say that they can clear 
98% of skin problems, I think that's their, their claim, and they'll give you a refund if they don't. Really? By taking this probiotic, you know, for 60 days. They say commit to it for 60 days, take it once a day, uh, and, you know, it's like a guaranteed 98% of your money back. And I have to look into that because I'm currently yep. taking, I'm researching a lot about pro- probiotics and taking pro and prebiotics um, religiously. There you go. So I don't want to forget that. We were talking Please. about skin, but. But yeah, I wanted to get your opinion though about the, let's, we'll go back to the masculine thing. I definitely want to talk to you about that and why mm-hmm. I thought that I felt like you or feel like you have a very masculine energy. What do you think about the healthcare here? Mm. Uh, it's because you mentioned your experience back when you were living somewhere else. Well, uh, you know, and it's, it's interesting, right? You, what is, I mean, we have to define things these days, right? People talk about health and health to you might mean something different than it means to me, which it really shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, but it can mean different things. Uh, if you go and you go wander around and you meet, you know, different tribes in different parts of the world, mm-hmm. you'll, so you'll, you'll meet groups of people that are literally eating, you know, meat and stuff from the bushes and they look super healthy and they're living to be 90 years old. Yes. Right. They have no health care at all. So, uh, that's pretty healthy to me. Right. Um, uh, the healthcare system. Yeah. It's super broken. I, I started figuring that out as a teenager. That's early. Oh, I remember getting a prescription Mm -hmm. and then getting blood work. And it was at the, uh, UC Davis healthcare center in Northern California. And one of the cool things about their system is that even if you live in different areas, they, you still like their whole system has all of your blood work. Right. So I saw some blood work of mine from when I was like 15. I saw some of it from like, you know, while I was taking this prescription and it was actually to clear up my skin, which turns out I really didn't need anyways. They're like, Oh, this will help. And it was a really terrible prescription called, I'll think of the name of it, but it was pretty bad. Mm. It turns out there's like lawsuits for this stuff. And, Insane. Like, and they just Accutane. gave it to you. That's what Accutane. it was. Accutane. Oh, I took that. I, I didn't really like, Insane. I shouldn't have taken it. You know, like I had a little bit of acne, but as a teenager and I think I was just very self-conscious of it. And they're like, just take this. It'll get worse before it gets better. Really? So when you, I mean, when you learn about how toxic that is for your body, Insane. it's not good. Right. So I, I, derivative. yeah, I noticed, uh, over the course. So I'm like in my early twenties at this point. Right. So you've got, you know, five or six years of, of blood work sitting in the computer. And I was just looking through one. And I noticed my bilirubin levels, you know, it said it was marked really high Mm. for this like one test when I was 20 or 19, however old I was. And so I sent them a little message, you know, you can message them. This was a while ago too. It's kind of cool how sophisticated their system was for the most part, technology, all that, but it doesn't mean it makes it healthy. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, I noticed on this test, like my bilirubin is really high, which is your bile level in your liver. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, it's supposed to be like, below 1.7 like 1.7 would be considered high mine was like 2.1 or something crazy where basically have jaundice at that point Mm -hmm. i asked them about it and they're like oh you know what let's just set up some more tests you're right maybe we should check that out like they just totally ignored it but then i looked at my previous tests and my bilirubin had been elevated for a while it was like 1.7 1.8 2.1 and when i asked them about it hey you know it looks like it's been elevated for a bit and you guys haven't said anything is it something i should be looking at does it affect me 
And they said, well, you're a younger guy, so we just assumed you'd been partying a lot and drinking, and that happens. Well, when you go in there, you fill out the form. You know, how often do you drink? How often do you smoke? And, like, there was not... Who's honest on those? Well, and maybe that's what they were assuming. Like, oh, even though he put no, you know, maybe he We know really that was. people your age do this and that. Yeah, so they totally missed this thing. Turned out it was a genetic mutation no way yeah and there's like a certain percentage of the population that has this genetic mutation that their body doesn't push out bilirubin at the same speed as everybody else but figuring that on my own like completely allowed me to change my lifestyle and work to repair these things and and they just you know they had no clue or they made assumptions they didn't really dig in they didn't you know if you're if you're a doctor and you're you know you have numbers that i've got to meet five clients in the next hour you're not taking the time to process this stuff. You're not, and you're not. I don't think you're being taught to look at things like that. And I'm yeah. sure your doctor's not studying the numbers, like you said, spending a lot of time on that. Which you know, it's when I talk to my doctor now, I've kind of told her, you know, when I ask you about things, don't just prescribe me stuff because I tend to ask about health stuff all the time. I always think I have something going on like crazy like that mm. but I should not have been taking Accutane based on that they should have not have prescribed me something in so the toxic. first place yeah so yeah. that's the whole Same. so that's a, you know just going back to the prescriptions it's, in general and, and the fact that you were so young and you had to figure that out yourself like in Sweden when they give you Accutane you have to see a specialist but it takes about eight months to get there because you wow. have to go through so many different doctors and once you do, you have to go into the clinic every month and do a pregnancy test to make sure you're not, you know, pregnant because it's really not supposed to be. But that's, that's, I would say in Sweden, it's a lot more, the doctor will most likely 90% of the time tell you to go home and rest and drink water and nothing else. That's good. It's good advice. Right. Exactly. It really is. Or get some sunshine or, you know, do something like that. Yeah. But, and sometimes definitely you feel like you're not being listened to there because it can be a lot of that relaxed, laid back. But here, I remember I got my um, wisdom teeth pulled out. I got all four at the same time. I know I'm a gangster. And <laughs> he, the doctor prescribed 30 or 40 pills of Norco. What? Wow. I didn't take them. But I was like, really? For, why do I need 40 of them, too? Mm-hmm. It's, Enjoy the next week. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, ended up not, I still have them, actually. It's been a couple of years. Hmm. But it's interesting that it's loosely prescribed like that here. Again, here's, here's a Band-Aid. Come back when that causes another problem so we can give you a different Band-Aid. And there's all that stuff going on with the lawsuits for the opioids. And so, you know, like it's highly addictive, leads to all these other problems. So it's just, it's kind of wild. It is. It is. So the masculine. Mm-hmm. What's, I know you said it's a term that changes a lot. I feel like somebody is very masculine if my energy is very feminine in their presence. Hmm. And what I think of my feminine energy is where 
my nervous system is relaxed and I feel confident and happy and like the conversation is flowing and I feel listened to and heard and seen and that's masculine energy to me and somebody that also kind of leads the conversation too and doesn't just listen partakes and is confident in who they are and their story and that's definitely what I would say being in the presence of very masculine energy Hmm. I think it's a, a tough thing for most people to figure out these days too is when you talk about women in the workforce running their business uh for guys you know when to take lead when mm-hmm. to make oh. it more together but it's uh i think we jump a lot sometimes too like that that can sometimes take a little bit for people to get in a groove of figuring that out and i think it's one of the the dating challenges in the world but with your with your business in real estate do you feel like you are able to be more feminine with how you lead your business or do you feel like you have to bring a lot of masculine energy into closing deals and showing homes? Oh my God, such a good question. I think about that a lot. I, my beauty salon as feminine as that is, Mm -hmm. put so much stress on me, long hours, you know, all of that to me, kind of put me in a masculine energy for me you know everybody has their definition of that but I know how it manifests for me real estate definitely has that tendency of doing that to you Um, especially being it changes every day so it's very unpredictable and long days and contracts and liabilities and representing clients and then also dealing with other Agents in the industry is another thing, too, because there's no really high entry level to real estate. So you can meet anyone. Mm-hmm. You can meet the one that does it for two hours a month and the one that, you know, the top producer or it's everybody runs it their own way. So you never, never know where you're going to end up that day or in what energy. So it's definitely sometimes heavy in that aspect. For sure. Yeah, I find women in general can be like just far superior to men in business to business sales, real estate sales. You think so? Uh, oh, absolutely. Like superior in superior in what sense? Uh, just results. Really? Because of their ability to be better listeners than guys often are, to manage the. You know, maybe aggression is not the right term, but when to advance a conversation, when not to, Mm. you know, because especially with the way that the world has changed, you know, the old school, what used to be considered sales where the guy knocks on your door to sell you some encyclopedias or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? It's like a, hey, buy now, buy now, kind of a pressure situation and people don't like to be pressured. So you... I think at the highest level for for sealing deals like that, you have to have a sense of of sharpness, you know, effective communication, but also be willing to listen to what somebody needs. Mm -hmm. And and maybe I'm a little off here, but for the most part, I find that women can be much better listeners than guys can. (laughs) It depends. I think in general, 
dealing with people that own real estate in Southern California, you're dealing with highly successful people. Mm. So that aspect is uh, sometimes intimidating, of course. Very interesting to me. I get access to so much um, information and perspective. I, I mean, you're literally walking into people's houses. It's, they're, it's very personal. Yeah. You know, it's almost like sleeping with them. <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> so you and during the process too you get to know so much about them because you're re- helping them navigate their biggest assets in their life so it's um i really enjoy doing it probably because it keeps me on my toes every day but yeah dealing with high level people every day too is exhausting you got to um, show up Absolutely. And you got to be, especially when you run your own business, it's so easy to just be doing business or getting business on accident. Mm. It's not intentional. You don't know how many deals you're going to close and you're just kind of running around trying to sell everybody house. That's not how I run my business at all. I'm very OCD and I take a responsibility I don't take that lightly, especially when it's somebody else involved. I'd rather get myself in some sort of trouble than somebody else. And being in such a litigious place like California, I don't want to run my business reactively in any way. I make sure I take care of myself for my clients, my mental health, my health. I don't want to be a busy mess. So, but then also... I'm in a place where it's very competitive. Very. Very competitive. And in Sweden, we don't compete. <laughs> because we, you win the honor. You never win a prize. That's kind of our rule in everything you do. So competition is not really a thing. And when I moved here, I quickly realized that it's the opposite. I think competition is healthy. It drives quality things to come to the marketplace. But... I'm not I don't I'm not motivated by it in any way. So it's really kind of just like running a business and how do I make it sustainable and enjoyable and predictable? Predictable. Creating prediction. Yes. Yeah. That's what consistency and you know, once you learn the formula, making sure you're not straying away from it. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have a specific formula? In your business, it seems like you're doing so many different things. Very diverse entrepreneur over here. I just have a lot of energy, and so I've been looking for places to put it, and I found some things that I really like. I I like this analogy of a recipe. You know, um, there's a there's this quote by a guy named Bismarck where he says, "What does he say?" He says, uh, I'd rather profit from someone else's experience than, you know, use my own to fumble a bunch, basically, is what he says. Mm. And so I learned that if I want to do something, you know, most likely someone else has done it before or some version of it. So why would I go out and think I'm brilliant and try to do all these things on my own and by myself and figure it out? And I I did that a lot uh, early in life. And some things went really well. Some things could have gotten a lot better. So there's a there's usually a recipe. Go find the recipe, figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. when the oven says 350, put it on 350, 
don't think my oven's different. Oh, it's di- oh, people are different over here. Any of that stuff. Just follow the recipe. Get really good at it. And then, you know, especially when you think about maybe building real estate or any kind of business, if you have, if you're someone that has a time limit and you go, you know, I need to be making some money in the next six months. I've got a six month window or a seven month window, or maybe it's less for some people. That should be even more incentive to copy someone else's formula for success. Absolutely. And then when you're in a comfortable spot, you know, or at least a place where you can breathe a little and don't have this guillotine financially hanging over your head, I think that's when you can experiment and go, oh, hey, this way might be better. Or, oh, this way didn't work as well. You know, but if you're doing that in the beginning, which I think a lot of people do, they try to outsmart whatever system that is. Uh, just causes more challenges, more problems for him. So, yeah, I mean, you know, even this podcast, right? I, when I originally want to do it, you good? Yeah, I need a napkin, but I'm okay. Okay. Oh, do you want me to grab you one? Can we you? can pause for a minute. Can you? you? Pause. Yeah. I'd like. Okay. How are you? Coffee not- makes my nose runny. Oh, how are you? Not- what were we saying? I actually remember exactly where we were. I think I was saying, uh, we were talking about formulas, recipes, and saying, uh, when I started this podcast, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted, mm-hmm. but you spent a little, or at least I spent, I kind of want to hear what you did with real estate too, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I looked at people who had very successful podcasts. I was a guest on one and just sort of, you know, spent time thinking about it. But again, going back to this coffee cup quote here. You know, figured out what people did, how they did it, and then matched it to what I wanted to create. And uh, no joke, in the first, you know, 10 episodes or something like that, it hit number 53 on Apple Podcasts. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. I love that. But I, I didn't for you. recreate the wheel or go, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff different, right? It was, you know, put my flavor in it and what I wanted to, to experience and have fun. And I think it's true for anything. If you want to publish a book... You want to get into real estate, right? I think that confidence comes later on, though, because for me, I mean, I think a lot of agents can relate to this. When you just get your license, you wake up in the morning and you're just like, okay, so what do I do today? Mm. You know, it's really, really hard to put in work for something that's not going to pay off right now. But And you're planting seeds everywhere, hoping that it works. I believe what you said about, you know, copying somebody else's formula, it's definitely the name of the game and then putting your own spin on it. And the more I get into it, the more I learn that, wow, the more I'm just myself, the more success I have. It's so hard to copy somebody else in real estate, their style at least. Hmm. You can copy a system and a process, Yes, right? That's probably what you're referring to. And then you put your own... You have, to, exactly. you have to be you. Exactly. Yeah. What have you noticed about your podcast w- with it being how you do it? What's your ideal Derek podcast? Is it this? Just sitting down and talking. Yeah. yeah I've, I've been on podcasts where it's like they have a plan. I did this really cool podcast with a guy who's just really nice. He actually has a big podcast company. Uh, you know, his name's Adam Torres. And mm-hmm. He has, and he helps all these entrepreneurs all over the U.S. launch their podcasts, publish books. Like, super nice guy. And uh, I was on a podcast with him, and I said something, and kind of threw him off, I guess, because he's used to having a, a top to bottom, you know, like very linear process. Mm. 
And afterwards, he's like, man, that was the first time. I might have even said it on the podcast. That was the first time in 300 episodes, however many done at this point, that he's like, I ever broke off of the process to like dig into something because it was so much fun. And I, um, I do like that that linear process for a lot of things, but yeah. I think you have to have structure with uh, flexibility. What was the original question? Because I feel like I'm just going to go on a, a tangent about no, this. No, I but think what you said is is interesting. It's yeah. like we're referring to the, having a system and a process. I mean, a listing, a house sale, when I put a house on the market, mm-hmm. has about just shy of 300 steps in that process. Yeah. How am I going to get better and tweak something based on my creativity and how I want to run my business if I don't have that process? I'm mm. just being reactive and running around doing it kind of how, you know, that's how things fall through the cracks. That's how you don't grow. And I quickly learned when I got into real estate that, first of all, I don't want to work. <laughs> Let's start there. Um, I have no desire to work for a long time in my life. I don't I think this is such a waste of your life. Even if I love what I do, but I want to I'm creating a business that is going to get to a point where I can kind of do what I want and support my people and create meaningful connections and do the things that I enjoy doing. And that's why it's so important for me to have a system and a process and I started um my fir- first year was just shy of $10 million in sales. Go you. Uh, I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. Congratulations. Protected all my clients, though. But thank you. I also, the next year, you know, kind of almost doubled. Last year, I barely did anything. Hmm. And realized, wow, my process is lacking. As much as I am OCD about making sure my CRM is up to date and my, I kind of got too much into my system and process and less out there doing the work. And um, when I started doing the work, but also cutting out anyone that didn't believe in me and anyone that uh, tried to keep a ceiling above my head and um, convince me that their presence in my business uh, journey was going to be beneficial to me. I kind of started believing in myself, in other words. It took off. And right now, being a broker, having my own team, and doing exactly what I want, property managing, doing projects, having my own assets, real estate, investments, it's it's been such a... Uh, I've really proven to myself that I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do and it's gonna just go up from here it's I know where I'm taking my real estate journey I'm not going to be a small player here I know that for sure Um, but I'm not in no rush to get there although I like I said before I want to I don't want to work forever but um, it's a fun journey I'm learning so much about myself every day and obviously the rejection every day is also you know humbling <laughs> but it makes you, you know, an expert too it does i you know the confidence when you mentioned confidence earlier i really believe that anybody can build confidence through work ethic and curiosity if you have those two things if you stay curious to figure out how to constantly improve or do things in a certain way 
and you put in the work. Like I'm I've never been an agent or I don't know a lot about it, but I feel like if I could, I've actually done some sales training classes for real estate agents though, which was interesting, like really? phoning and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I feel like I know, you know, just in the big picture, there's homes out there being sold. Mm-hmm. There's people that need someone to list them. There's people looking for homes. Give me a list or I'll go make a list. I don't care of a hundred people and I'll call every single person, right? I don't care if 99 of them tell me no. I'm just going to find that one person that says yes, and then now i got a business. And you've changed your life for your next six months there you <laughs> with go. that one person, right? Right. So I feel like I, I, that's where I think my confidence would come from in a sense of you know, just running uphill all the time. I'm okay with that. You are. You seem like <laughs> that taking on things, the things that you do, but then who wants to be average? Honestly, not me. There's nothing wrong with it, but I don't want to be it. I know exactly what I want to be um, and what I want to do and how I want to live my life. I think life is so beautiful and I'm terrified of wasting it. Mm-hmm. And real estate is such an opportunity for you to create the life you want. And like I said, it's not hard selling paradise. <laughs> I um, kind of recently now I'm getting more into the relocation um, and I help a lot of companies relocate to San Diego and their employees, mostly biotech. And it's interesting how much talent we're getting here, by the way. Yeah. But yeah, I love my, I, I love real estate. It's a lifestyle though. So it's not for the faint at heart, for sure. Most great things are not. I've seen that you definitely live by that. <laughs> doing our best what uh i know you said you had about you know about 20 minutes how are you yeah, doing you, is it time to wrap or yeah. any other final thoughts comments give yourself a plug all those good things oh plug i mean i think i asked you in the beginning if you wanted to buy a house so oh, let's go yeah. back to the I'm joking no just incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be here and be part of your podcast i think i follow you and see what you do and i it's admirable in a world that's so, um, there's so many distractions around us and it's so easy to fall into the wrong things here and be complacent too. And you're so the opposite of that. It's admirable. Well, thanks. Maybe I'm selfish though, because I don't feel good if I'm sitting around doing nothing. So I don't know where that came from or what, but yeah, if I were just letting life waste away, I just wouldn't feel good and I don't want to not feel good too many double negatives i want to feel great so yeah you got to go out and do the things that make that happen for you yeah kudos to you congratulations too in terms of you know this this word success is really interesting but if i were looking at you know a person and and saying you know what what's important it seems like you've done those things you've you know embraced fear and and the courage to move to a new location and take on roles where uncertainty could cripple certain people or have them frozen. So thank you for seeing that. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. It takes a lot of work. A lot. That's what I hear. <laughs> and people probably look at you and you're, they think they have a perception of who you are. Oh, you're successful mm. or you're pretty. Mm. I'm sure you're fine. You're okay. It's like we have this weird idea of, 
if something aesthetically looks good or if it looks like, especially now with, you know, Instagram and all that, mm. we forget what led to that. I think beauty comes from incre- incredibly complex and challenging things in life. Well, yeah, have you ever met someone that you just thought was, you know, pretty or gorgeous or handsome or whatever, and then you get to know them and, and that changes where the, uh, the perception of their attractiveness kind of wears off? Yes, but I've also seen people that I like, it's almost like an ideal, and I look at them and I'm like, oh, they're so pretty, their life must be perfect. Everything must be perfect. They must be farting glitter, mm-hmm. you know? And then you get to know them and you're like, wow, you know, we're all human at yeah. the end of the day. Go figure. Go figure. Well, thank you for coming by. Thank you. I was just reading your uh, shirt. I was wondering what it was. Oh, what's this one say? Mm-hmm. It says something about reality. Embraces dream. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, that by a little trip. Me likey. Excellent. Well, have fun. And thank you. Off we go.